Chapter Thirteen of the Outdoor Girls of Deepdale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls of Deepdale by Laura Lee Hope. Chapter Thirteen The Missing Lunch. Oh, but these shoes are so comfortable. I'm glad of that, Grace. Though I didn't really delay you much, did I? No, I wasn't complaining, said Betty, with a caressing hand on the arm of her companion. We'll be able to make up for lost time now, said Molly, as she shifted her little release from one hand to the other. Your aunt was certainly generous in the matter of lunch, Betty, she went on. Yes, she said this country air would give us good appetites. I'm sure I don't need any, spoke Amy. I've been hungry ever since we started. The four girls were again on the broad highway that was splashed and spotted with streaks of the early sun as it slanted through the elms and maples along the road. They had spent two nights at the home of Betty's aunt, that lady having insisted on a little longer visit than was at first planned. She made the girls royally welcome, as did her husband. Grace's shoes had been sent to her at Rockford, having been telephoned for. "'But if we stay another day and night here,' said Betty, "'not that we're not glad to, Aunt Sally. "'Why, we can't keep up our schedule in walking. "'And we must cover so many miles each day.' "'You see, it's the constitution of our club,' added Grace. "'We can't violate that.' "'Oh, come now,' insisted Mr. Palmer. You can stay longer just as well as not. As for walking, why, we've got some of the finest walks going right around Rockford here. You'd better stay. We don't often see you, Betty, and your aunt isn't half talked out yet. And he solemnly winked over the head of his wife. The idea, she exclaimed, as if I'd talked half as much as you had. And so the girls had remained. They had greatly enjoyed the visit. In anticipation of their coming, Mrs. Palmer had prepared enough for a regiment of hungry boys, to quote her husband, and had invited a number of the neighboring young people to meet the members of the Camping and Tramping Club. The dainty rooms of the country house, with their quaint, old-fashioned striped wallpaper, the big four-poster beds, a relic of a bygone generation, the mahogany dressers with their shining mirrors, and the delightful home-like atmosphere, all had combined to make the stay of the girls most pleasant. The day after their arrival by carriage, they had gone on a long walk, visiting a picturesque little glen not far from the village, being accompanied by a number of girls whose acquaintance Betty and her chums had made. Some of them Betty had met before. The idea of a walking club was enthusiastically received by the country girls, and they at once resolved to form one like the organization started by Betty Nelson. In fact, they named it after her in spite of her protest. In the afternoon the girls went for a drive in Mr. Palmer's big carriage, visiting places of local interest. And in the evening there was an old-fashioned surprise party, a real surprise, too, by the way, for Betty and her chums had never dreamed of it. It was a most delightful time. Mr. and Mrs. Palmer had tried to persuade their niece 
and her chums to stay still longer but they were firm in their determination to cover the two hundred miles more or less in the specified time so they had started off and the snatches of conversation with which i began this chapter might have been heard as the four walked along the pleasant country road we've had very good luck so far said molly as she skipped a few steps in advance of the greensward not a bit of rain don't boast cautioned betty it will be perfectly terrible if it rains we simply can't walk if it does i don't see why not spoke molly trying to catch amy in a waltz hug and whirl her about my isn't she getting giddy mocked grace i feel so good cried molly whose volatile nature seemed fairly bubbling over on this beautiful day and indeed it was a day to call forth all the latent energies of the most phlegmatic person the very air tingled with life that the sunshine coaxed into being and the gentle wind further fanned it to rapidity of action oh i do feel so happy cried molly i guess we all do spoke grace but even as she said this she could not refrain from covertly glancing at amy over whose face there seemed to be a shade of well just what it was grace could not decide it might have been disappointment or perhaps an unsatisfied longing clearly the mystery over her past had made an impression on the character of this sweet quiet girl but for all that she did not inflict her mood on her chums she must have become conscious of grace's quick scrutiny for with a laugh she ran to her and soon the two were bobbing about on the uneven turf in what they were pleased to term a dance your aunt was certainly good to us murmured molly a little later i'm just dying to see what she has put up for our lunch for mrs palmer had insisted as has been said on packing one of the little valises the girls carried with a noonday meal to be eaten on the road molly was entrusted with this her belongings having been divided among her chums oh suddenly grace a moment later i forgot something you mean you left it at my aunt's house asked betty coming to a stop in the road no I forgot to get some of those lovely chocolates that new drugstore sells. They were delicious. For a country town, I never ate better. Grace, you are hopeless, sighed Betty. Come along, girls, do, or she'll insist on going back for them, and we must get to Middleville on time. It won't do to fall back in our schedule any more. I sent a postal to my cousin from your aunt's house, said Amy, at whose relatives the girls were to spend the night. I told her we surely would be there. And so we will, said Betty. Gracious, I forgot to mail this card to Nettie French, and she produced a souvenir card from her pocket. Never mind, you can put it in the next post office we come to, suggested Grace. Oh, dear, I'm so provoked about those chocolates. I'm positively famished, and I don't suppose it is anywhere near lunchtime. And she looked at her watch. No, only ten o'clock, she sighed. Laughing at her, the girl stepped on. For a time, the road ran along a pleasant little river on which a number of canoes and boats could be seen. 
Oh, for a good robe, exclaimed Molly. We'll have plenty of chances this summer, said Betty. It has hardly begun. I wonder where we will spend our vacation, spoke Molly. We'll talk about that later, said Betty. I hope we can be together and somewhere near the water. If we only could get a motorboat, sighed Grace. Oh, bet. If no one claims that $500, maybe we can get a little launch with it and camp at Rainbow Lake. I'm only afraid someone will claim it, spoke Betty. I dropped Papa a card telling him to send me a line in case a claimant did appear. Oh, let's sit down and rest, proposed Molly. A little later, there's a perfect dream of a view from here, and it's so cool and shady. The others were agreeable, so they stopped beneath the big trees in a grassy spot near the bank of the little stream. Grace took advantage of the stop to mend a pair of stockings she was carrying with her. It was so comfortable that they remained nearly an hour, and would have stayed longer, only the little captain, with a look at her watch, decided they must get under way again. "'Now it's noon!' exclaimed Grace, when they had covered two miles after their rest. "'Molly, open the lunch, and let's see what it contains.' There was a startled cry from Molly, a clasping of her hands, a raising of her almost tragic eyes, and she exclaimed, "'Oh, girls, forgive me! I forgot the lunch! I left it back there where we rested in the shade!' End of chapter 13 Recording by Jeannie Whitfield from Traditions in Biloxi, Mississippi.